curating these stories, reading them every week and sharing them with people, I, I feel like I and everyone who's reading feels like a little bit less um, helpless about their ability to make a difference. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. On the podcast this week is Lisa Fireman, the founder and creator behind my favorite weekly newsletter, Rose Colored Roundup. Rose Colored Roundup is a weekly curation of the good news that we tend to miss in the form of an email newsletter. With uplifting stories of empowerment and progress, it's the best way to recharge for the long road ahead. And I've loved receiving rose-colored roundup in my inbox over the last couple of months and reading the inspiring and uplifting stories on Thursday afternoons always brightens up my day. As a digital news producer, Lisa is surrounded by the news all of the time and even for this natural optimist, today's political climate really left Lisa feeling burned out after realizing that there's honestly just way too much negativity in the news world and in our lives. She was really inspired to start Rose Colored Roundup. She wanted a way to periodically unplug from this seemingly nonstop breaking news alerts and take a few minutes every week to focus on the good news in the world. And the rest is history. From cool discoveries, encouraging trends, fierce role models, stories of resistance, and happy endings, Rose Colored Roundup has it all. On today's episode, we chat all about the inspiration behind Rose Colored Roundup, what it's been like creating it, and stepping even further into her creativity and voice through sharing stories of empowerment, generosity, kindness, and progress. We also chat about trusting yourself and what it's like starting a new project or business as a millennial. We also talk about imposter syndrome, owning and celebrating what we've created, and so much more. I really love today's conversation with Lisa. I wish we kept recording when we were done having this conversation for this episode because we, okay, first of all, we talked for probably another hour and a half, but then we slowly realized just how many people we have in common and the world is so small and I just feel so lucky to have a new friend who is along this joy and positivity and rosiness journey with me. So when you are done listening to today's episode, make sure you sign up for Rose Colored Roundup and you can find the link to sign up in the show notes for today's episode and you can also sign up at rosecoloredroundup.com and as always to find those show notes and to learn more about today's episode, you can head over to our website, seekthejoypodcast.com show dash notes and everything is right there. Okay, you know I have to share the iTunes review of the week before we dive into today's episode. And this one comes from Chasing Dreams 29 and it says, insightful and courageous. I recently came across Seek the Joy podcast and I'm really happy that I did. The conversations are fun, upbeat, and really honest, which I appreciate. Sydney asks insightful questions and honestly questions that I haven't heard on another podcast before. Sydney does such a good job engaging her guests and you can tell they're really comfortable with her. You go girl, keep it up. Okay, 
Chasing Dreams 29. Thank you so much for this kind review. And if you've been enjoying Seek the Joy podcast and feel so inspired to leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes, I would be so grateful. Just make sure to take a screenshot of that review and send it to Sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. And as a way to say thank you, I will send you my brand new guide for infusing more joy into your life, as well as a couple of limited edition Seek the Joy podcast stickers. All right, guys, that is it. I promise. I loved this conversation. I feel like Lisa and I have known each other um, for forever. You're going to love her. You're going to love the newsletter. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Lisa. So my name is Lisa Fireman. I'm 25 years old and I'm based in New York City, though I'm originally from California. Um, I work uh, by day or I guess by night because I, I work evenings as a TV news producer and social media producer in New York um, for a major network. Um, but on the side, I am also the creator and curator behind Rose Colored Roundup, which is a weekly email good newsletter that kind of seeks to share the often overlooked feel-good news stories, uh, stories of empowerment and progress that are, you know, not given full attention to in this increasingly crazy, divisive political and news climate. So my goal is just to kind of create something that creates community and focuses on the type of news that unites us instead of dividing us. I love it. You're totally injecting more positivity in the world. And I've been on your email list for probably like a month and a half now. And I really look forward to it every Thursday. (laughs) And I love just the fact that you're really sharing that positive news that is really overlooked in, you know, today's news cycle, just like you said. When did you first get the idea for Rose Colored Roundup? It was kind of a random burst of inspiration. I had been feeling a little admittedly burnt out and uninspired by the news that I was covering in my day job, which is super important news. Um, But obviously what's happening in Washington is not the most uplifting or fun. Oftentimes, regardless of your political persuasion, it's just stressful for absolutely everybody. And the conversations that we have about the news are stressful for everybody. So I was feeling a little bit yeah, burnt out. And then was thinking like, I remember the days when the news cycle was a little bit slower and we were able to cover like more creative, interesting stories. We would cover stories, you know, from local communities that were feel good, or we would cover scientific discovery or space or all of these other topics that are a hundred percent newsworthy, but just there wasn't room for them anymore, you know, in this, in this current news uh, environment. So uh, basically I was like, I have the ability to do something about this. I fashion myself. not just a news producer, but a digital news producer. And um, newsletters was an area of digital that I didn't have formal experience with in my day job, just social media and like digital strategy. So I was like, why not kill two birds with one stone, do something that makes me feel good, but also gives me a project um, that I can point to and have ownership over that like helps me build my repertoire as a a news person. So um, yeah, even just thinking about like this week, like, you know, I had read the story about the first full-time reporter in the United States who wears a hijab on the air, and I had read about the New York Times rolling out obits 
obituaries for women throughout mm-hmm. history whose stories were overlooked um, for white men. And I was like, these are things that like maybe in a different day and age we would have covered on my TV show. Um, and they were certainly getting pressed online, but not everybody sees them. So I did it because those stories like matter to me really deeply. I love that. So what is the process like creating the newsletter? I mean, how much time do you really spend kind of sifting through this crazy news cycle um, to find those good, empowering stories? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm constantly reading the news for my job. It's my, it's literally a requirement that I'm always read in, you know, whether that's the email newsletters that I get from major publications or I'm on Twitter or I have the news on while I'm at work. I'm just kind of always reading. And you'd actually be surprised how much good news you stumble across in these other outlets if you're just like aware that you should be looking for it. I think part of it is like we feel like we have to be looking for the next big scoop or major development in a big story. But like these things, these little gems are kind of always lurking. And like I'm a natural optimist. I'm known for being like really bubbly and over the top positive, like almost to the point of like being naive about things. (laughs) And so I think like I'm a natural like magnet for these type of stories. Like I they just pop out to me. Um, And, you know, I think people since reading Rose Colored, they pop out to them too now. I mean, I get I get reader email every week um, pitching stories to be in the newsletter because people are like, you know, I never really realized how much of it there is out there. And if I'm just paying close enough attention, like here's this amazing thing that I came across that maybe you should include. And I would say nine times out of 10, I do, because once people like hone in on what the voice of Rose Colored Roundup is and what good news really looks and feels like and and good news for everybody, not just good news for liberals or for conservatives or for millennials or whatever it is, um, it's really easy to spot it once you come across it. Yeah, it's one of those things, right, where it's sort of in your awareness and now you're looking for it. And I love that people send stories in because it's stuff, you know, that they're inspired to be part of now. Yeah, they're the best. Um, Every week I have people... Um, who email me what their favorite stories of the week were or who share a story of how it made them feel, whether it moved them to tears or, you know, maybe they actually knew somebody who was featured in one of the stories and they have to gush to me because they can't believe that, you know, their worlds are colliding or, um, you know, that it's just turned their day around. Um, So there's I I really love hearing what people's favorite stories are in particular, because, um, you know, obviously the, the more that I can inspire people specifically, like, of course, I try to have a wide variety of stories. I don't want everything to be about women. I don't want everything to be about scientific discovery or about medical advancement. But like when I can find stories that really speak to people, of course, that's going to inform what I want to put in people's inboxes next week and the week after that. Yeah. I think the more that there's community involvement in these things that we're doing, whether it's your newsletter or my podcast or whatever it might be, I mean, it really, I think, strengthens. I'm not, I'll speak for myself, but I really, it has really strengthened my um, drive and desire to do what I'm doing because I see, you know, how it impacts other people and they want to be part of it. And it just, I think it really reminds you of why you started it to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, it's, it's not only been good to be like, look, I started a thing and now I'm 29 weeks later, 29 editions in where I'm still doing it. I'm following through. I'm I only have plans to do more as opposed to roll back. Like that's personal fulfilling. But I also just think it's like, it's really impacted my attitude. Like I, I feel a lot less bleak about the news cycle and really about all things. Like 
there's there was a study that I read and I wrote about it in the newsletter one week, which basically said that contrary to popular belief, negative news doesn't actually motivate people to take action to improve mm-hmm. the world around them. It has a paralyzing effect. So like whenever there's a fire or a shooting or an attack or, you know, um, water in a town that is not good for drinking, like, yes, that like alarmist thing can like sometimes kick people into high gear to make difference and make, make, make a difference in their community. But like, really, a lot of the time, it just kind of makes people freeze up and think somebody else is going to handle it. And so another study that I read shows that people who who read solutions-based positive journalism stories, so like stories that set an example of how to make change, are make people way more likely to make a difference. So like, I feel like just by curating these stories, reading them every week and sharing them with people, I, I feel like I and everyone who's reading feels like a little bit less um, helpless about their ability to make a difference. And people are often writing to me being like, wow, I want to get involved in that nonprofit or I want to donate money to that cause or I'm going to learn more about this. And I just think like good news is not just like good for the world. It's like good for you personally. Yeah, it's um, good for love. morale. Yeah. I love those studies that you were just talking about because I think it's so true. I really do think it does have that paralyzing effect. So to have a resource like Rose Colored Roundup where you're literally sending out good positive news and you have different categories. Um, So I'd love to maybe have you share a little bit about the different sections within Rose Colored Roundup and maybe how those came about too. So every week I start with like a short intro where I'm just speaking to my, to my readers, um, usually about whatever I've been thinking about that particular week um, or something interesting I stumbled across that maybe doesn't count like count as a good news story but is related and is interesting like those studies or this week um i wrote about briefly about international women's day because the newsletter this week it comes out on thursday afternoons that was international women's day so i just wrote about how i'm going to be focusing this week on news about women and girls sorry to people who are interested in things (laughs) beyond that but every story is going to be about women um however um however you define what being a woman or a girl is i'm trying to be of course intersectional and in that definition. Um, so I start with that. Um, and sometimes I ask readers to, to write to me about something in that section. And then the first section every week is always everything's coming up roses, aka the good news, which is just a roundup of like, depending on the week, eight to 15 one liners about different stories that I read that link out to the articles so that you can get more information. And I always try to have a really broad variety of sources because I think it's important to remember that good news can mm-hmm. come from from anywhere. Um, I, you know, I try to include uh, Huffington Post as much as I include Fox News, because both of those sources do reporting on their websites that is real newsworthy reporting, and they might fall on different sides of the aisle. But like, ultimately, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't confine yourself to like the stereotypes about what happens on primetime cable or whatever it is. Um, Fox is a real news organization that does really good work um, in their online reporting. So I include them. This week, I had the Harvard Business Review. NBC, The Times of India, Reuters, BBC, Tulsa World, because I had a story coming out of Oklahoma, National Geographic. Um, And then I also try to amplify whenever I can find them, um, publications that are smaller. So this this week we had a story from Topic, um, which is just a smaller digital brand. um, And in the past, we've done many others. And I think that's cool to just maybe introduce people to new sources that they don't read or um, tell a story that comes from a source that makes sense for that story. So 
instead of instead of just sharing an NBC News write up about what happened in Pakistan uh, this week, like sharing a local report on what that is. It's really important. And then the next section or two, they're interchangeable really every week, um, depending on the stories that I come across. Um, I kind of plug them in and out. Uh, I do have a million. Like this week, I had Force of Nature, which to me is just, um, you know, basically somebody who really stands out as as trailblazing in a way. Um, I also have, let's see here, I got some, if so many old additions mm. to scroll through. Cream, oh, Cream of the Crop. Everything's a pun based on like I love uh, it. nature and yeah flowers and plants, um, cream of the crops are the faces behind a movement, uh, which this week was about um, an indigenous competitive roller derby team um, of all indigenous women from all over the world. Um, there's one called Nipping It in the Bud, where we talk about like um, good news about nipping in the bud some type of bad behavior, oftentimes sexual harassment or mm -hmm. something, if there's been some progress um, in that regard. Um, there are all kinds of them and they kind of focus in on like different things. And so it's just kind of like what I read that week that inspires me. Um, and then I have a section called a world of difference. Um, and it's the subtitle with each story, watch the rosiness spread. And it's literally just a map of the world where every week, whenever there's a good story, I, if it's from a different co a country that I haven't shared a story from before, I highlight it in pink. Um, so we can see the rosiness like visually spread. My hope is that like eventually the entire globe will be covered as evidence, as visual evidence that good news is happening everywhere. Yeah. And then I have Bloomspiration, which is my like, um, like inspiring design stuff. I basically go through Instagram and find beautiful, uplifting, pretty things, um, artwork from local artists or from small brands um, and try to feature those. I have flowery speech, which is an inspiring quote. Um, and then I usually try to wrap it up with what's inspiring to me, which is some type of positive feedback about the newsletter, um, some reader testimonial just to show that like it's impacting people and people are yeah. feeling joy while they're reading it. I love it. And I love how everything is a pun and it's so creative. Have you always been <laughs> this creative or do you feel like it's something you've more recently stepped into? You know, I think I would say that I've always been creative, but maybe not always in this way. Like yeah. I grew up doing, I grew up doing musical theater. I was performatively creative. Like I got to sing and dance and tell stories and like immerse myself in different points of view and characters and in different worlds. And I think as I grew up and decided that I wasn't going to pursue theater professionally, um, that like that, that love of storytelling and like being inventive and, and creative, like carried over into what is now me wanting to do journalism or news. And that especially wanting to entertain and warm hearts of an audience, like kind of, influ you know, yeah. it happens with good news as well. Um, but like, I've always been punny and, uh, <laughs> um, I like to think of myself as like very good with gifts and memes and like, I'm, you know, I'm always looking for like the humor or like um, the pun in something. So that was my opportunity to be a little more playful with something that I try to like largely <laughs> feel like is a little elegant or whatever. Yeah. I love it. It's so lighthearted. I think it's interesting how the things that maybe we did growing up kind of translate to what we do now. And, you know, we're only in our 20s, but it's interesting sort of to see that evolution and how, you know, you can take your experience doing musical theater and really infuse it into the work that you're doing now. Yeah. I think we all have like a vision of what we want to be when we grow up. I'm still trying to figure out what mine is. You um, and me both. But, like, <laughs> but you know, you just got to like try to carry over like what 
we think our priorities are. And for me, like just knowing that I grapple with the same types of insecurities and, and imposter syndrome and, you know, all of these things that other women my age experience, especially in a career as competitive as mine and in a city as big as mine. Like I'm just always trying to like do good by myself and take care of myself and like help my friends and family, which was who was originally reading this newsletter, but it's grown a lot to be people that I don't know and just kind of trying to um, focus on why I'm proud of myself and what I'm able to accomplish. And if I don't have it figured out, like, that's okay. Like everything I'm doing is like adding to the story that is my life. And, and, you know, I love that. You know what you just said about insecurities and imposter syndrome. I don't think it's something that a lot of people talk about just in terms of when you put something out into the world that, you Mm -hmm. know, you're really proud of and excited by, and it's something that you've created. I don't think anyone really talks about just how sometimes you ebb and flow between feeling really good about it and then other times being like, oh my God, why am I doing this? (laughs) Why am I putting myself out there Uh in this way? It sounds like you can really relate to that because I go through that almost daily. I was going to say, like you put out a podcast and like you're some days I'm sure you're proud of it. And some days you're like, oh my God, I'm the only person behind this. Any mess up that, you know, falls on me or yeah. like, I'm not sure if I, if I approach this in the right way. For me, it's like, there were a couple weeks in the beginning of the newsletter where I had like what I would consider like debilitating technical problems um, where like, I would say 70% of the people received the newsletter fine and 30% it showed up in their inbox with some type of weird garbled code mm. and my, and the support team of my newsletter hosts like wasn't particularly helpful in solving the problem. And many hours later, a lot of research, I was able to figure it out. But like those moments when you're like, I, I tested this, I made this, I'm proud of it. It looks great. Why is it not um, appearing the way that I meant it to? Like, yeah. why are people not receiving it or the way that I, you know, when you put your name on something and you're proud of something and you hype it up, like you really, really wanted to to do to thrive and to do well and I think honestly like I've had a lot of milestones like in my short career thus far that I'm proud of but like the newsletter is the biggest thing where I feel like because I owned it from from inception of the idea like from thinking about what I'm gonna do to like mapping it out to designing it visually to to telling everybody that I was gonna do it and then not being able to back out because I told everybody <laughs> um, and like blasted it on on social media and told people to sign up like you know I, I I not only do the writing and the branding but like I do all the liaising with our partners and you know I just it's real ownership and real experience that I think is as like transferable as my day job into like whatever my future career is going to be. So just like owning that, like whatever your side project is or your passion, it's legitimate. You are legitimate and like focus in on giving as much attention to those things as possible because you never know where they're going to, where they're going to lead for you. Yeah. I agree with everything that you just said. And I think that process of owning it, like really feeling like you're owning it and taking ownership of your creative process and the fact that you're doing a really good job. And yeah, they're going to be like slip ups and you know what I mean? And moments where stuff doesn't go as planned. I mean, I go through this like almost daily, you know, and um, Mm -hmm. I totally relate to everything you were saying too, just in terms of, you know, doing all the work for it because I'm a one woman show too. I do everything. And so I think, you know, when you really start getting involved in something that you're 
loving and passionate about, whether it's a podcast or a newsletter or a side business where you're selling something. I mean, you know, you really give it your all and it's really just as important and um, legitimate, just like you said, you know, as maybe as your nine to five. And I think that's a really important message um, to convey, I think, especially to sort of our age group or our age bracket Mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, might just be starting, you know, side projects or businesses. But I almost hesitate to call it a side thing because it's really a full time Mm -hmm. thing, you know, in addition to your other full-time thing. Right. Well, and I think millennials in particular get a bad rap for like being, you know, blah, 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 entitled, mm-hmm. blah, yeah. blah, blah. And like, you know, I've definitely had points in my career where I've been like, I know I can do this. And like, please just let me have this opportunity. And I've gotten pushback because of my age. Um, not, not really thankfully because of my gender, but because of my age, you know, like you can have tangible skills, but like sometimes you just need experience and years under your belt. And so I was really, I was really grappling with that. And like so many people, you know, in our generation, I feel like are just going out and doing and making what they want to make. And then people take them seriously once they do it. So it's all about just starting, you know, it's all about like, if you have an idea, like going out and doing it, um, and then you earn credibility by not just, you know, doing the, the technical parts of that job or, you know, starting a business or launching a newsletter or a podcast, but also just by like owning the entire process. Like you get, I, like, I consider myself having man- managerial experience now, mm-hmm. which I don't in my day job, not because I manage a team because I don't, but because I, I do oversee everything and I do allocate tasks to friends or volunteers or to my readers, you know, I ask them to take part in X or Y or Z. And when I, when I have, you know, quantifiable results, like that's, that's experience and that's meaningful. And, and we shouldn't, it shouldn't be downplayed just because it's, you don't get a paycheck from it or it's not, it's not your, your, your main nine to five. Yeah. I love that. I love how you touched on the different experiences that you now really feel that you have, um, whether it's a leadership or managerial skills or whatever it might be. And that part that you also mentioned about age, has there been moments, um, whether it's about your age or your experience or in someone else's eyes, whether it's a lack of experience, um, where you really kind of sat with what they said and thought, I actually can't do this? Or have you always been able to sort of push past that and say, no, I got this. I know I can do it. I will say I've definitely had moments where I've said, like, maybe they're right. I can't do this. But then I think in part from real, just working for a couple of years and realizing that most people around you are faking it too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, like you, you often feel like you're the least experienced person in the room and like maybe on paper you are, but like, I work with a lot of great people who, who laugh through their mistakes still to this day and make them and say like, you know, I also learned this on the job. Sometimes you just have to be thrown in the head first into the deep end and then you sink or you swim. And so I think now and especially I really do think I've had personally an attitude adjustment since doing rose colored roundup like I just if I catch myself like going down that route where I feel like I can't do that it's more like no I just haven't done that yet you know I maybe I don't have I haven't done any formal training in that skill or I don't have I don't have an example I can point to but here's how I've been exposed to that type of scenario and how I generally know how to handle it here's what I've read about it or um, here's what I think is transferable about my other experience in my job or in my personal life that means that I'm like up for that task. And so I've just really tried to completely recalibrate the way that I, that I think about what I'm doing. And if I catch myself slipping, like you just have to like do that power pose and like look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and be like, no, I can do this. Or 
like, maybe I don't know how to video edit today, but I'm going to learn and I'm going to be a great video editor. And now I'm a video editor. Like you just, you acknowledge your shortcomings and then you take tangible steps to fix them. And like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be like constantly striving. Yeah, I love that. I love the attitude adjustment because I can totally 100% relate to that in terms of, you know, since starting the podcast, if I feel myself kind of moving in a more negative self-talk space or like, I can't do this. Like, what do you think you're doing? You know, you know, that wheel that you kind of go through in your brain of like, Mm -hmm. you just kind of can't stop. And it's like, whoa, no, you got to stop yourself and really do have that attitude adjustment in the moment. So when you're working on kind of adjusting your attitude and kind of getting your back to that natural optimistic space that you talked about at the beginning of our conversation. Are there concrete things that you do or is it really kind of like you mentally stop yourself um, and just kind of try and and switch course? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's like allowed to wallow in self-pity for a little bit. Like I I think think that's like really important to do. Like you can't just be on all the time and like anybody who thinks they're the best a hundred percent of the time, like maybe has their own issues to grapple with. Um, Cause like, like they're maybe not human. Um, right. Like, like are you an alien like, or a robot? Like right. what's going on here? Right. Like, they, like there's no way we're all like, we're all always growing. Like we're never all going to be perfect at everything. Like I really just try to like show myself the same type of compassion that I show my friends and family. And I try when they show me that compassion and kindness or pay me those compliments or praise me, I try instead of like writing it off or like making a self-deprecating joke, you know, about Mm -hmm. whatever they've said. Like I really try to like stop and take that compliment and then, and then just give it to myself later. So when people are like, wow, it's really impressive that you started your own newsletter. Like you really take your career seriously instead of being like, Oh yeah, I have like way too much free time on my hands or like, Oh yeah, you know me, I'm a try hard. Like I really try to be like, Oh, thank you. You know, that's really sweet of you to say it's been really meaningful for me. And then I go home and I look in the mirror and I go, wow, Lisa, it's really cool that you started your own newsletter. Good for you. Um, and like, you can even hear in my tone, I'm like being a little sarcastic, but like, you just have to say it enough and like earnestly try to pay yourself that compliment because like, I would never make a self-deprecating joke about my friend's accomplishments. Like when they get into law school, I'm not like, oh yeah, you're a nerd. You know, I'm like, oh my God, you got into a great law school. You're freaking amazing. So you just have to, you just have to like treat yourself the same way that you treat your loved ones. I think that's like the biggest thing. Yeah. Isn't it really crazy how we can be a cheerleader for our friends and family Mm -hmm. and even strangers, but when it comes to really owning and receiving compliments about the work that you've done and the accomplishments um, that you've had, it's really hard to accept it and receive it without kind of having that like sarcastic or like self-deprecating moment. It's something that I still really struggle with too. Um, cause I always, am like, Oh, you know, no big deal, but it's like, no, it's a freaking big deal and you've got to yeah. own it. Um, so I love how you touched on just that compassion and that kindness, uh, that you show others, you've got to show it to yourself too. Well, and I, and I have this like weird crutch that I do. And someone recently corrected me when I talk about rose colored, I say, we, um, Mm. instead of I, um, when I talk about the newsletter, someone was like, we, do you work with somebody else on this? And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. no. I mean, me and the newsletter, like me and the readers. And I think in one, in some ways that's helped me 
um, own the successes that I've had because I can say like, we, the newsletter have accomplished this. We, me and all of the readers. But um, on the other hand, I think it's also like me not giving myself the credit still subconsciously that perhaps like I deserve to give myself. Um, so I, you know, I try to catch myself in, in those ways and say like, no, you're right. I, I, me and my project um, and my, my supportive readers, like, you know, we're all, we're separate people. We have play different roles in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's been like weird to grapple with when someone like corrected me. I was like, huh, interesting. I never thought about it. You know, that's a really good point because it's that pronoun. And I do that too. I'm like, uh, like we at Seek the Joy podcast, I'm like, where, where's the we? There's like a one woman right. show. Like, what are you talking about? But right. yeah, that pronoun, like who would think about that? Like just to say, yeah, this is me, I, there's no we, there's no us. But I do think about it the same way you do in terms of it's like me and the listeners or me and the people I interact with on social media, me and, you know, the women and the men who I have the opportunity to interview, but yeah, you got to go back and own it and really like own and honor and celebrate, you know, just how much you've done and really, you know, receive those compliments, which is just, it's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. and I also think we is like an easy crutch, especially totally. in this era where like where everybody has a startup and they do have a team. Like when I was starting my newsletter, I like made a like a conscious choice to use we when I post on social media. Like, what are you up to this weekend? We're doing this, even though it's just me, because it made me feel like a little bit more legitimate in a way. Yeah. Um, and like that it was less about me and it was more about the newsletter and the community. Um, and I think that's like a weird thing, too, is like everybody's like everybody out there is starting a business and securing funds. And like, as somebody who's like not thinking about Rose Colored Roundup as a business or startup who hasn't put any money behind, you know, advertising, no paid social, who really just wants it to be organic. And in the end, like, if I could just, you know, break even on the costs to to continue to run it and then everything and then like find ways to continue to donate to charity as we have many times, like, great. But like everybody out there, it just thinks about we and the team and the funding and the, and you know, it's just very, it's very different. It's you know, totally. and it's kind of like you want to like assert yourself as like legit in that landscape. And it's hard. It is hard. And I think it's interesting you just said about not thinking about Rose Colored Roundup as a business um, mm-hmm. because I haven't thought of Seek the Joy as a business up until maybe mm-hmm. like a week ago when I sat down with my parents and we were talking about it and brainstorming, you know, different Um, ideas for it moving forward. And my dad was like, you need to think about this as a business because you're, you work so hard on it. You know, it has purpose and meaning for you. And so why not look at it as that legitimate business model? And I, and literally my, you know, um, in like a movie or TV show where it's like someone has like a light bulb moment and you see like, um, like a bomb (laughs) or like a volcano exploding in their mind. Like that was literally that moment for me. It was like, oh, Okay. And so Mm -hmm. I love what you just said just about how you haven't thought about it as a business. And for you, the focus has really been on organic growth and, you know, what you can do to donate to charity. And so it's just really interesting to hear, you know, someone else kind of has that that mindset too. You know, really, I just, I want to stay true to like, I think it's, it's all about like, it's remembering that like, not everything is one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Um, not everybody should approach their projects or their businesses or their organizations in the same way. Also like acknowledging that like, there's so much work to be done in empowering female entrepreneurs, women in the business space, but like also knowing when it is and isn't your place. Like I really got into rose colored as like an 
altruism thing. And for me, it would feel insincere to begin advertising, maybe unless I got like a, a like a great benefactor who wanted to just sponsor us and their name was on it because they wanted to be tied to something that makes people feel good. Like that's that's different. Right. Um, but like I'm not trying to profit from it. Um, I think if we've we've raised seven hundred dollars for charity um, already oh my God, for, that's uh, amazing. for several causes. Yeah, yeah. because it's a, when you share good news and people are like, I want to do something about that. Like we raised, we raised like $400 for hurricane Harvey relief in our second week. Um, and we have raised money for the ACLU and the Malala fund and the nature conservancy and for California wild wildfire relief. But in, a, a lot in that is just like asking people to donate or highlighting the work of like amazing independent artists who are going to donate some or all of the proceeds of their work to these causes. And I think that's like, for me, it just feels more true to my mission to continue to do that, to amplify like small businesses, small brands, individuals, organizations that are doing good work and let them spearhead like what, you know, let them be the vehicle for funds instead of like my newsletter, which like really doesn't cost anything to me mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's in, you, you just have to approach it from the individual perspective of like you and your priorities and your product and like, you know, it's good to like build other women up and like do all of that. But like, sometimes you just have to like, be like, no, like, it's really sweet that everybody's asking me to turn this into a business or like, have I thought about making it a nonprofit, but like, I got to stay true to me. And so that's, yeah. that's been hard to navigate too. You got to be, you got to know when to say no as yeah. well as when to say yes. I agree. And I think it really is that piece about staying true to who you are. And then if you are going to bring something else on board, you know, making sure that it really aligns with who you are and the purpose and the mission behind, mm -hmm. you know, rose-colored roundup. So when you are faced with people, you know, asking you about a business or a nonprofit or advertisement, what? how do you stay true to yourself kind of in those moments? What does that really look like for you? Yeah, part of it is like, you know, and I've been approached recently about people wanting to partner um, with the with me or with the newsletter based on the work that they've seen, which is really great. But I just really have to remind myself that like I started this, and I I feel like everybody everybody knows what good news is, but like I feel like I've really honed in on what my voice and my contribution is in that space. I'm not the only good email newsletter out there, but I I know what our niche is, and I know how to do it. And like I just need to remember that like all these opportunities might. Sound interesting or people have volunteered to work for me or to intern for me but like you just have to know when and when not to delegate and when when not to take those kinds of risks so I just I just try to like you know ask for another week to think about it or sit down and pro con pro my <laughs> my mm -hmm. options and just really you know and when in doubt like you can always say like maybe not now but maybe in the future and keep those ties open or or come up with an alternate pitch for a way to partner that's maybe less labor intensive and helps you make maintain your autonomy. I think the like scariest thing is like young women starting projects and then bigger organizations or um, more more established individuals coming in and wanting to like acquire some either creative control or they want to use the the brand of your you know, the name of your organization and kind of use it to advance their agenda or maybe, you know, tweak it in some way. You just have to like be will you just have to be aware that like not everybody knows what you're what you are about or what your product is about. So like stay true to that. 
Yeah, that awareness honestly is really key. And um, mm-hmm. giving yourself that time, you know, to think something over so that you don't feel rushed. I've really found um, that that's really important for me to do too. So I love the, you know, advice that you've just shared just in general, you know, about how you kind of navigate it. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people will be able to take from that and implement it in their own lives yeah. too. Well, and then also another thing that I just was thinking about, like I, I work, I, like you have to remember too, like I have a day job. A lot of people who do these types of things of a day job and you have mm-hmm. to be sensitive to the needs of your employer and the rules around ethics of like having right. other projects and if they overlap at all like I've been very very careful to make sure that I don't work on this at work and I don't use any type of information that I would ever get you know internally for this that I don't want to be putting money behind something that's like at all adjacent to what I do in my job because like ultimately like for something to stay good and pure and like you know on track you you just you don't want to invite any opportunity for conflict of interest or um, for people to have questions you want to let your work speak for yourself so I think just it's important for anybody who's starting a project to like really think about what any potential risks are and do what you can to mediate those up front. I think that's such good advice, especially from the ethics sort of point of view and conflict of interest. And um, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I'm actually a lawyer. So these are things that I think about for myself in in my life all the time. And I don't know, you know, if people think about these things and just making sure, you know, that nothing is going to take away from the actual work product that you're putting out there. Mm -hmm. It really sounds like to me, you've really started to own or discover more of your own voice and kind of grow into that. Do you feel like that's the case or, or what has it been like kind of owning your voice more through rose color roundup? Yeah, I think, I think rose color roundup was always true to my voice. Um, and I think I, I always carried that tone of positivity. As I mentioned, I'm an optimist into everything I did, but I really feel like now I at least feel like the newsletter and also me and how I speak to myself isn't just service level positive. It's like warm and patient and nurturing and a positivity that's like more infectious than just like, like face value in a way that I think like cuts deeper and has a bigger impact, like for the readers and, and also like in my personal life, I think the stories that we touch on are a little less fluffy and a little less obvious now, um, I think there's more nuance to what we cover. I mean, I'm, I'll still throw in like a cute animal story, but you know, I think, <laughs> I think there's like, there's, there's more news out there than just like the serendipitous stories of like, Oh, a family. I love this one. This family went hiking and their canoes floated away. And then the Hogwarts express picked them up because they were, <laughs> they were camping in the UK somewhere along that route. And the police brought the, the train. Oh I was God. like, that's adorable. I'm like, that's a great story. But like, also we had, of an indigenous roller derby team and a hijabi reporter and the first female Hindu senator elected in Pakistan. And like, not everything has to be like super deep and meaningful and historic to be good news, but just like recognizing that there are various levels to that. And I think like I'm more in tune and my readers are more excited about like the heavier stuff um, or maybe not heavier, the deeper stuff now. And like, that's, that's just also impacted like how I feel about myself and about the, about the newsletter. Yeah. It's amazing how that exposure really to those stories has really had a deep impact 
um, just on the way you speak to yourself and that compassion and that kindness. Have you always had that compassion growing up or has it something you've developed more recently? You know, yeah, I was an, I'm an only child. Um, and so I grew up spending a lot of time around my parents and around adults. Um, and, you know, obviously I had a lot of friends that I had over all the time, but like generally speaking, I think um, I, I a, wasn't bullied the same way that a lot of kids were mm-hmm. um, as children by older siblings. Um, and then I later had friends who said they were going to take it upon themselves to be the big brothers and big sisters I never had um, and make up for lost time. Right. Exactly. Um, but I just, I think like by virtue of like talking to adults since I was like seven um, and not having somebody who was like kind of putting me down along the way, like maybe artificially like inflated my ego and like caused different problems um, as an only <laughs> child. But like, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I've always tried to kind of, I've, I've tried to feel this way. And I think when I did theater, it was essential because, you know, you have a bad audition and people think you're a bad singer or a bad actress. They don't think like, oh, what a great singer who had a really bad day and performed yeah. terribly in this moment. And so I think like I've always grappled with like knowing my value beyond just like how I perform in any given moment. Um, so I, I think all of those things have kind of led me to, so yeah, a little bit be this type, you know, have this type of outlook always, but it's definitely gotten stronger as an adult. And as I've like, and I think, as I've put more thought into it, but also society, like self-care Sunday, the fact that like that hashtag is even a thing right. and people are supposed to like sit and think about how they're going to care for themselves. And everything's like about, you know, protect you, take care of you, like, you no, know, find your tribe, like blah, blah, blah. Like these are like, you know, they've been commoditized in a way, but they're like really important messages that I think it's really cool that we're actually thinking about. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, what's so interesting is I don't think when we were growing up, I mean, obviously the internet has totally totally changed. I mean, completely. I mean, I remember the first time we got a computer in my house and we had AOL dial up and no one else could use mm-hmm. the phone at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, there was no like hashtag self-care Sunday when I was yeah. 11 or 12 or whatever it was. And so it's so fascinating to me to really just see the direction that society and our culture is really moving in. Going off of that self-care Sunday kind of thing, what are some things that you do to show yourself that self-care and that self-love? And it doesn't have to just be on Sundays, but just you know, in general, what are some things that you do? Um, good question. Um, well, my favorite thing to do is to eat out in New York. So like if I'm really treating myself, it's like, you know what, I'm going to go out and take myself out to a nice dinner or get myself a, a overpriced cocktail and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I enjoy best, or I'm going to take a cab home, you know, and I'm going to pay for that instead of taking the subway because I have decided that this matters to me. Um, literally just indulging on the little things, um, and and celebrating like little victories also, um, you know, including like, wow, I cleaned my apartment. Go me is like a really important thing. You have to like stop (laughs) and celebrate those little victories. Um, I also think like, I just love to sit on my couch and decompress. Um, and especially in New York, I feel like there's pressure when I have so many people I need to see and things I need to do to get out and do stuff. But sometimes you just want to Netflix for five hours and just owning that, um, I think is part of that. Um, but I'm also somebody who says like, I don't have nearly enough hobbies. I'm too busy for hobbies. So I think like something I could work on is like, 
taking up embroidering or getting back to drawing or like there are things that I could do to like, you know, I have a bunch of adult color, adult coloring books. I haven't cracked open. Like there's plenty of stuff that's like creative and fun and relaxing that I could still do because it's a work in progress. It always is. Always to be able to take that time for yourself. Um, and then to not feel bad about it, you know, and, and to really feel good and positive about that kind of solitude, quiet moment. Um, I don't know. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You also talked a little bit about empowering female entrepreneurs earlier in our conversation. What has it been like for you just in terms of empowering yourself um, through creating Rose Colored Roundup? Have you found, do you feel like you've empowered others while doing it? I mean, what has that impact sort of looked like for you? Yeah, I think I think that the newsletter has definitely impacted people. Like I said, people have emotional reactions every week. They, they email, text, tweet, Instagram me that they've cried, that they feel good, that they've found a new cause that they care about. Um, that so in that regard it's had an impact i think it's also like in my personal friend group people have been like wow thanks for showing me that you can go out and start something and like that's the kick in the butt that i need to pursue the project that i'm going to do um and i've also tried like through rose color to meet other people who are pursuing like their own projects i've been a part of um some in-person like women's um like networking but not so much networking but like more like brainstorm and support sessions where everyone goes around and shares you know um their ask what they need support on and their give what they're willing to help others accomplish with their organizations maybe like a a skills trade or a partnership um i've been to events like that in person and i'm in i'm even in facebook groups and um, follow people on instagram who do those sorts of things i think there's like a moment that like women's empowerment in in business and um, entrepreneurship and in and inside projects is having. And so there's there's no shortage of opportunity out there to, of people to work with and um, ways to connect. And so um, I've, I've just kind of used Rose Colored as my in to meet like a million interesting people that I've worked with whose books I feature in the newsletter or, um, you know, whose, whose goods I help um, promote when they're go- when proceeds are going to charity. There's just always an opportunity to help somebody else along their journey and in turn help yourself. It's amazing, right? That those opportunities are sort of endless and you just have to go out and look for them. And I also think you just really need to be open uh, to those opportunities for collaboration or empowerment or to support someone else. And it's really cool to see just how then you sort of receive that support in turn. I don't know. It's a really wonderful domino effect. Yeah. And I think like, you know, coming together and working on something is like a, and like feeling, feeling proud and feeling joy about what you're doing is a much bigger motivator than competition or stress or, or, you know, the needing to meet um, expectations or goals or benchmarks that you've set for yourself. So just like taking time whenever we go around and at these, at these workshops, or I do it in my newsletter. Now I ask people to think of the rose thorn and bud of their week, the rose being the best thing that happened. Um, the thorn being a challenge they're facing and a bud being something they're looking forward to next week. And um, being in situations, even just with my friends where we stop at dinner and we have those types of, um, Um, like, you know, self-evaluations is like, you know, really helps you realize that, you know, what you're capable of and that you're a vehicle for change in in your community. And then if you want in your world and that you can do whatever you set your darn mind to. Hmm. And I just like really believe that um, it's just all about perspective. Yeah. And I love those moments that you just touched on, those moments of introspection, right? Where you really do think about, okay, what was really great this week? What was not so great? You know, what, Mm -hmm. what am I looking forward? 
forward to, I think it shifts the dialogue and keeps us from getting sort of locked into that negative. It opens up the dialogue and the perspective for different types of conversations, which I really think, you know, we really need more of. Totally. Being able to relate to not just strangers, but like even the people in your own family that are, um, you know, maybe you're in different states or you have different political beliefs or different priorities. I'm just trying to like give people material to continue to connect with one another. That's like really what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And you're totally doing it. And that connection is so, is so important. So I've got to ask you about joy. So what are some things that you do in your life to bring you joy or what does joy really feel like for you? That's a tough question. Um, But if I had to try to put it into words, I think for me, I feel joy when I'm surrounded by my loved ones who embrace and support me or when I'm making connections with a new community or new people. And I'm feeling already that like feeling of, of interest and, and, and support, um, and, and compassion. Um, and I feel joy when I'm trying something new that excites me and inspires me and makes me like feel giddy. Um, I'm feeling it when I'm feeling self-love, when I'm like owning myself, when I'm proud of myself. Um, and like, it's, I mean, it's hard to like really describe like to like to quantify it but like for me like joy doesn't have to be this like electric like exuberant like over the top um emotion it can kind of just like feel like a warm hug (laughs) if that makes sense when you feel just like cozy like and like and for me like rose colored roundup the name of course comes from like rose colored glasses seeing Mm -hmm. the world from a with a rosier perspective um it's like it's just about like feeling like looking for the silver lining and like feeling good and cozy and happy about where you are, your place in the world. And so joy is just, it's kind of all of that rolled into one. I love that. You know, I think that's a really good point that you just brought up that it doesn't need to be this big electric thing. I think people get hung up on, on that, you know, thinking that, oh my gosh, well, in order for me to feel good about myself or to feel joy or to feel positive, you know, it's got to be this big grand thing. And Mm -hmm. if there's anything that I've learned um, is that it really doesn't have to be that way. You know, it can be a small moment in your day that, you know, is then a catalyst for you to kind of stay in that positive um, state of mind or mindset for the rest of the day. And um, I love your description Mm -hmm. of a warm hug. You know, it's just, it's just something that (laughs) kind of fills you up and helps you to keep going. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So what do you feel like you've learned the most about yourself from starting Rose Colored Roundup, curating it, spreading it, uh, sharing it with friends and family and now strangers really all around the world? What do you feel like you've learned the most about yourself? Um, I think I've learned that I can follow through. I'm always somebody who's I feel like had a lot of ideas. Um, someone recently described me as a quote ideas person. And that hmm. was like the highest compliment to me because um you know, that's, that speaks volumes, but I guess I had never really seen myself with, except within like the parameters of my job and like the the opportunities that I have there, the flexibility that's there to like really come up with something and follow through on it at this type of scale. So like it was satisfying to come up with an idea, name it, workshop that name a lot with my very patient boyfriend who was like, no, 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 that does not work. Um, until we settled (laughs) on rose colored roundup, um, design it, tell people I was launching it and then follow through. And now to think that rose colored roundups started like randomly, um, in a burst 
source of inspiration. And now we have readers in 27 countries and counting. She really How shows me that cool. like, I can, yeah, I can like make it happen. You like, can. Just, like, you don't have to just tell your, like, it's cool to like, not just be able to tell yourself, like, I'm a creative person and I'm a go-getter and I'm a natural leader and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, look, I like point to this tangible thing that's like making an impact in my life and on the lives of others. Like, it's a thing that not only I can like put on my resume or my LinkedIn or like talk to about a, a, like a dinner party. It's like, I don't know. It's a, there's a living, I guess it's not a living, breathing thing, but like it's evidence that like, I don't just like think of things. It's, I can, I can do them. And that's been crazy. Cause like how, how often do you have until you're an adult to like really start something and follow through? Like in high school and college, I certainly didn't feel like I really had the, the the tools to do that. So now now I know I can, and that's really exciting. It's so exciting to to see the follow through and then to know that you really can do it. Because I'm sure, you know, I, we definitely talked about this at the beginning of our conversation. But, you know, there are moments where you're like, oh, my God can I keep going? What am I doing? Should I keep going? And, and then you just, mm-hmm. you do it, you know, you push through those difficult moments and those feelings and those insecurities and that level of imposter syndrome, as you put it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you just, you, you do it. And it's amazing mm-hmm. to sort of see, you know, the end result and you're just getting started. I'm, I'm sure that this is going to continue, right, for mm. weeks and weeks to come. You said you're on the 29th week right now, right? So mm-hmm. yep. um, next week will be 30. That's crazy. It's a, yeah. that's, that's amazing. So with your life in general and with Rose Colored Roundup, what would you say is your biggest dream? Oh, gosh. Um, ah, with regard to Rose Colored, <laughs> I guess like my biggest dream is to continue to – to touch people and be an outlet for them. Um, I don't think the news environment is going to change anytime soon. So just being a constant for the people that are reading, um, I'm constantly blown away by the emails I receive and the outpouring of love on social media. Um, and all I want to do is just continue to impact folks and reminding them that there is good in the world and it is all about perspective. Cause again, joy is like a way bigger motivator than despair is. And like, we can, we can, we can change change things and change the world if we want to. Um, and like in terms of like rose colored specifically, again, I don't have, I don't have, I've tried not to set a lot of expectations cause I kind of want to see where it goes, but like I want to be spreading the rosiness to thousands more people partnering with more creative people and organizations and brands who are doing good, um, working toward goals that are aligned with ours. And, and like in terms of like a tangible thing, like I'd love to see the map filled in in the newsletter that there's good stories from every country on earth. That would be, that would be a dream. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I'm so happy that you and I connected and that we get to be, I don't know, part of each other's uh, yes. journey. Such a good match, I think. I think um, so too. But, I've had the best yeah. time talking to you. I feel like you and I could keep talking um, <laughs> forever. And I'm so, I'm just so excited to see where this goes. And thank you so much for being on Seek the Joy podcast. Where can everyone find you, find Rose Colored Roundup, sign up for the newsletter? Uh, www.rosecoloredroundup.com no hyphens or dashes or anything just rose colored roundup um we're on instagram that's the one social platform we're on which is at rose colored roundup what you what you could do to get involved is subscribe um tell your loved ones share it uh share stories with us of good news that you come across when you're reading or if you know somebody in real life who's doing something amazing i'm not married to just sharing news articles i've definitely you know i I work in the news industry i i do my own storytelling as well like i'd love to talk to people and then just like in general like do good and focus on the positive and 
find a cause that you support and make a difference and make the world a better place. That's like the one thing that I ask of, of everyone who reads Rose Colored and now your, your listeners too. Yeah, it's all about paying it forward, right? And mm-hmm. um, if you see something, send it in and just kind of infuse that rosiness into your day-to-day life. And I'll include uh, all your information in the show notes for today's episode so everyone Amazing. can find it and sign up. And oh, Lisa, thank you so much. This was a great well, thank conversation. You, thank you so much. This was such a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time to ask about Rose Colored. Yeah, I'm so thank you for you, sharing you it. You read it and you love it. Thank you so much. 